Did you know color is vital to your health? I'm not talking about the color of the walls in your house or your clothes. I'm talking about the color of the food you eat. A colorful diet is a part of staying well because many nutrients are color. The antioxidant lycopene is the red pigment in tomatoes and pink grapefruit. Chlorophyll is excellent for balancing pH and cleansing the body. It's the green in kale, spinach, and broccoli. Eating a wide variety of fruits and vegetables provides your body with diverse chemistry it needs to heal itself and stay well. Eat the peelings of things like apples and carrots. Balance of Nature is whole produce. It contains all the vital parts in balance. Color, taste, and smell keep you well. And that's what you get with Balance of Nature. Start your journey. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Get free shipping and get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code KATE. We wish we had enough crayons to explain this, but more government does not make you more free. The Kate Daly Show starts now. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. Hi there. Welcome. Kate Daly Show. Happy to have you listening in today. KateDalyRadio.com. Yes, yesterday I was hacked. The site was down. What can I say? Uh, It's back up again for some reason. Seems to be a little bit of a threat to somebody out there. So I'm glad to have it back up. And of course, Uncle Milty's with me today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. And uh, also, uh, over 5 million podcast uh, listens to the replay of of this live show that you're listening to right now. So share, share, share away. And I love that because we're trying to educate a nation. And it's going to take a lot of work, a lot of work. There's no uh, quick answer to any of this. And so in this hour, we have a wonderful guest joining us. And I'm really happy to have him on because he has written a wonderful book with Stan Oliver. This is Dr. Ronald Kimberling. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm great, Kate. Oh, excellent. I'm so glad to have you. I love that Reagan quote at the top. You know, right, right. I was actually going to uh, use the same quote at some point this hour, but... Uh, well, there you usual, go. Uncle Ronnie beat me to it. Yeah, there you go. I love this. In fact, I want people to know all about you. So you are a, a research fellow at the Independent Institute um, and also served as president of, uh, geez, so many colleges, Briarcliff College and Argosy uh, University. I probably said that wrong, but that's 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 what I do. I say things wrong. What can I say? Also, uh, you started out as a news director at the age of 20 um, f- as the first national public radio affiliates in 1971 and appointment by President Ronald Reagan as the youngest ever assistant secretary to post-secondary education in 1986. Um, Also served as chief academic officer uh, for Dana Education Corporation and vice president at uh, Colorado and managing director at Colorado Technical University. Um, So many uh, different credits, of course, to your name. I could go on and on, but also uh, executive vice president for United Education and Software. A long background in this and you've written this really uh, wonderful book with Stan Oliver that I uh, that I love and I, I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about this. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna totally crucify this, but libertarianism and uh, that is the name of the book and of course John Hospers, the Libertarian Party's 50th anniversary and beyond, and it really paid uh, wonderful respect to uh, Hospers, John Hospers. Tell me a little bit about this book. What did you set out? 
to let people know about John Hospers and about this uh, this movement? Well, the message of the book is that the libertarian political philosophy uh, provides a lot of solutions that you know, good, solid, patriotic Americans, uh, and and I say that of all political stripes or no political stripes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, need today. Uh, the, the polls for the past several months have shown that more than 70 percent of Americans are dissatisfied with the way things are going. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a lot. That's a that's lot. One of the lowest, you know, confidence polls that we've had. And, and there's a very good reason for it, because mm-hmm. I think there's there's been a race for the past two decades just about uh, across the board to increase the size and scope and power of the government. Right. Libertarianism favors the smallest government possible needed to protect our freedoms. Mm-hmm. And it's really based on the Declaration of Independence, you know, the yes. unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for everybody. Sure. Uh, and also the Constitution of the U.S., which intentionally delegates and limits only certain powers to the federal government. Unfortunately, in literally more than 200 years, you know, the the government has grown. And it hasn't just grown in little small pieces. What happens is there's a crisis, and it may be a real crisis, like Mm -hmm. World War II. Mm -hmm. It may be a crisis that's overly magnified, like, all the furor over the Omicron variant, which right. you know tells yeah. us that, that COVID is evolving into something that's mm-hmm. far less dangerous than mm-hmm. the original version. And they'll vastly increase the power of the government over that uh, period of the crisis, and it never goes back down to what it was beforehand. Yeah, You know, after true. World War II... For many years, uh, up until uh, close to 1950, the government kept wage and price controls and and rationing going. The British didn't do away with rationing until late in the 1950s. Hmm. So I don't want to go on and on, but libertarianism is about small government. John Hospers was a a longtime chairman of the philosophy department at the University of Southern California, Mm -hmm. which incidentally is my alma mater. Mm -hmm. And um, he was the first Libertarian Party candidate for president in 1972. Hmm. So part of this book celebrates what happened 50 years ago when Hospers wrote the original book on libertarianism, which he called a political philosophy for tomorrow. Right. I call it the political philosophy for today, right? Uh, because tomorrow is now today. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, How was he received? And, and he back made then? Uh, he made great strides in mm-hmm. in bringing that message. So this celebrates the book by Hospers, the Libertarian Party, which was created fifty years ago. Mm-hmm. It's the oldest and longest surviving political third party in American history. True. And that's something people don't know, but they need to know. Absolutely. How was it received back then? Hosper's book has sold millions of copies. Mm -hmm. He was already a well-known philosopher. He wrote uh, a book that was the kind of the main introduction to philosophy book Mm -hmm. used by most universities for decades. And it's still in print, even though it was written 
I think about 1962. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. Um, at a time when I think we actually, I think, adhered to political parties quickly and we liked them. And I don't know that we totally understood that we were sort of being trained to be on one of the sides of the camp, right? So, you you know, you're either this side or that side, and these are the two flavors in America. Um, were people at that point um, starting to figure out where the two parties were colliding in the back rooms a little bit more? Were people starting to understand that that the support of both parties really was what was giving us the this this big government that we have now do you think people were realizing they that? were um mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just briefly mention it in, in the 1960s uh there was uh the new left movement mm-hmm. you know the the campus activists the right. radicals whatever you want to call sure. them uh but they were breaking free of the legacy of the new deal mm-hmm. uh from the 1930s they, they were a different kind of leftist they were actually more left, and they're much more like the uh, uh, the progressives today. But the, the start of, of those farther left people came in the 60s. Uh, and in 1968, you know, I think many people know about this, there were riots at the Democratic National Convention. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, people being beat up on the streets. Mm-hmm. On, sure. On the... Republican side, Richard Nixon actually won the 1968 election, mm-hmm. became president in 69. Um, instead of ending the war in Vietnam, as he promised very quickly, he actually bombed Cambodia in 1970, which set off another wave of protests. Sure. But what a lot of us didn't like, you know, and, and a number mm-hmm. of us supported Nixon in 68. Mm-hmm. Um then in the early 70s, he did some crazy things. He mm. created the Environmental Protection Agency. Yeah, 10,000 employees. 10,000 <laughs> <Republican> employees. <laughs> Overnight. He instituted, yeah. he instituted uh, price controls, mm-hmm. which I mentioned had been done away with after World War II. Right. Can you imagine the government? You Going know, back what, to what that. What if Joe Biden today... Mm-hmm. You know, said, oh, we're going to solve inflation because we're going to artificially set the price for a loaf of bread and mm-hmm. a gallon of gasoline. Right. Right. You know? yeah. Nixon did that. Right. And right. his Treasury secretary resigned in protest. <laughs> and that, frankly, was what was the turning point for a guy named David Nolan, who was the founder of the Libertarian Party. Mm-hmm. And his 1971 article, you know, thinking about uh, having such a party is in the book. Right. So people can kind of travel back. We also have, a, by the way, a 1975 interview with Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. that was published in Reason magazine. And I'm going to quote Ronald Reagan in this article. This okay. was right after he left the governorship and before he ran for president. Mm-hmm. He said at the very beginning of the article, that he considered libertarianism to be, quote, the heart and soul of conservatism. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Yes, the libertarianism was breaking away and mm-hmm. the parties were being divided up uh, back back 50 years ago. Mm, wow. How did uh, we have about a minute and a half before we go to the break? But I, 
what kind of, um, well, I, well, here's a question. The catalyst for you with John Hospers, what kind of effect did he have on you? What, what, how did you receive what he was saying early on? Was there something that hit you, an aha moment? About what well, actually, I was very active in the Young Americans for Freedom, mm-hmm. and uh, some of us broke away from YAF uh, on a number of issues. Mm-hmm. One of them was the military draft, which, mm-hmm. you know, sure, uh, Milton sure. Friedman and oh, yeah. many other well-known people uh, favored uh, doing away with the draft and mm-hmm. creating the volunteer army that we've now had since, I believe, 1973. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were certain issues. The Vietnam War wasn't going well. It was clear the government wasn't really interested in prosecuting it to its fullest extent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I wound up giving speeches against the Vietnam War because I said it was causing Americans to lose faith in their country. Right. And it was destroying the capitalist system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and and there were kind of the the left-wingers in the audience were shaking their heads. Hospers was well-known to me. Unfortunately, I never personally took a class from him, but mm-hmm. many of, of my colleagues did. Right. Um, but I helped create uh, some very important conferences early on, and he was a major speaker in those conferences. So I got, mm-hmm. to, got to hear him speak. He yeah. was clear. He's lucid. Mm-hmm. He's logical. Right. He doesn't come across super academic, you know, sure. the people who read stuff. Right. All right. Well, we're going to come right back more with Dr. Ronald Kimberling when we come back. And uh, what a what an opportunity. I'm going to go ahead and put the link for the book uh, right on uh, Kate Daly's show notes. Um, but you can also get it at J, the letter J, books with an S, Inc. dot com. JBooksInc.com. Be right back. And the is INC. INC, INC, right? Be right back. Talk lines are open now. Call. Hi, everybody. Go to the bottom of my homepage. You're going to see an ad for Z-Stack, Dr. Zelenko's new vitamin supplement that combines zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, and vitamin D. All of those things that we talk about on the show, he has combined them into one supplement. Dr. Zelenko is a board-certified physician in New York. He was the one that gave ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine to Trump and told him about that, and he was really the guy that started the frontline doctors. Dr. Zelenko formulated the Support Your Immune Function supplement. Zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, and vitamin D. Take this every day. This is a great combination of a supplement that you can take of all the things we talk about on the show. This is an amazing product to keep you well and make sure that you go get this. This is also manufactured in the USA. Head and order this. Go to the bottom of my homepage at katedalyradio.com. 888-673-1450. For a limited time. This is the Kate Daly Show. It's a chip. Pretty world today. Look at the sunshine. Look at the sunshine. Hi there. Welcome back. Hey, Daly Show. I know I love computer issues. <laughs> What's new, right? Uh, I've got Uncle Milty with me. Hey. And uh, also, make sure you get to uh, mypillow.com. Mike Lindell has been a, a fierce supporter of the show and Truth and Radio. And um, if you go to mypillow.com, you can actually uh, get uh, some wonderful benefits right now because you can still get uh, items in time for Christmas. And this is a wonderful way to support Truth and Radio and also support. Um, 
uh, Mike Lindell's efforts uh, to talk about the fraud in America in our elections and get wonderful products for Christmas. So this is an amazing thing. 66% off and uh, put in the code Kate. When you go there, uh, you will love these products as much as I do. I'm a betting person, so of course I'm just all aboard <laughs> my pillow because they have the most wonderful products. I've been impressed since day one. So make sure you go to mypillow.com and put in the code Kate. Um, our, my guest, uh, our guest in this hour is Dr. Ronald Kimberling, and along with Stan Oliver, wrote this wonderful uh, book, Liber uh, Libertinary. libertarianism sorry about that i get tongue-tied all the time uh dr kimberly so i'm sorry i'm known as the name murderer of everything i I touch so um this book is a wonderful book and uh it is available right now you can go to the letter j uh books inc inc dot com is that right that's right. That's right. com and get this wonderful, um, wonderful book. It's what, 400 pages, 30 essays, um, just some wonderful learning opportunities here to try to uh, figure out this whole situation. I mean, we're in some definite weird times. I, I, I've, I've never covered a year like this in 10 years in radio. Well, um you want me to read uh, about some interesting times? Yes, please. Yes. Just a short one. Okay. Here's the, uh, the first paragraph of the introduction to the book. Okay. And it goes as follows. The United States of America has become a nation divided, no longer proud of its aspirational principle of e pluribus unum. The nation has been shattered by racial tensions, popular sentiment opposing seemingly endless war rapidly changing social and personal forms of expressing identity, disputes over the efficacy of the war on drugs, a new generation that feels powerless against established political and corporate interests, rising health care costs, the lingering threat of nuclear holocaust, federal efforts to print money to stimulate the economy without regard to currency stability, a constant stream of environmental disasters, and invasive spying by the FBI and other federal agencies on the private affairs of its citizens. Mm. The year is 1971. Wow. Wow. Yep. Oh, boy. I'm Uncle Mildy, you sound like you may remember it. Oh, oh, I was there. Oh, man. I was three years old. Holy cow. Look how much. I just... That's phenomenal. When, you, when you're listening to that, really, I thought you were describing today. That's amazing. Well, that was the intent is to show we've, we've been through this before. Right, right. And, uh, you know, at, at least optimistically, I'm confident we can get out of it again. But one of the, one of the ways that we got out of it was uh, ultimately uh, electing Ronald Reagan back in 1980. Mm-hmm. who told us that government is the problem mm-hmm. and had great faith in the people. And that's frankly what libertarians, you know, feel in their, in their heart and soul. Right. <laughs> it, right. It's, uh, and I think one of the problems we have today is that we have this tribalism mm-hmm. and the collective. It's, it's the group you belong to or identify with, not uh, that Every person on the planet has equal rights and equal identity, but 
we are all individuals. We're uniquely created mm-hmm. by our creator, right. you know, right. to be a unique being. Mm. And that uniqueness is what needs to be preserved. Right, right. You know, we've seen a lot of changes with uh, education, and you've been um, you've been in that field for a long time. Do you want to expand on that? Tell people what you've experienced over the last, sure. you know, three, four decades? Well, you know, my career has been basically in education, even though I was in government for eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was in government in the education department for right. the most part. Right. Um, so, you know, Ernest Hemingway once said that everybody should write their autobiography in six words. Mm-hmm. Well, my six-word autobiography is grew up poor, never left school. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like that. I like um, that. But I actually worked uh, initially uh, mm-hmm. back in 81. Mm-hmm. I just got my Ph.D. I said I wanted to go to Washington because Ronald Reagan wanted to uh, abolish the Department of Education. Right. And he needed some people on the ground to help him try to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so my friend Dana Rohrabacher, who uh, was a White House speechwriter and later on a congressman for 30 years, um, introduced me to the right people, and I went through some interviews, and voila, now I'm working on the staff of Ted Bell. Ted mm-hmm. Bell is well-known in Utah. He was mm-hmm. the... Uh, commissioner of both higher education and the state superintendent of education, mm-hmm. um, member of the LDS church mm-hmm. and uh, a Marine sergeant in world war II. Mm, wow. And he was, he was a great leader. I learned a, a lot from Ted mm-hmm. and, you know, he was seen as part of the education establishment, but I'll tell you, um, within the first year of the Reagan administration, the department that saw the greatest reduction in the federal workforce, bar none, of any cabinet agency, was the Department of Education, hmm. reduced by several thousand people. Okay. Hmm. And uh, it's, uh, it, it was the uh, experiment for a lot of Reagan initiatives. There were more than 30 programs in elementary and secondary education that were consolidated into a single block grant. Mm-hmm. Less money, but give the money in blocks to the states. Let them figure out what's their problem. Mm-hmm. Now, sure. where, where do they need to spend it on education? Now, that's still government, but it's government closer to the people. Right. And Reagan really believed in that, and, and libertarians believe in that. That's you know, people Do you, don't read the Tenth Amendment often enough. Mm-hmm, yeah. It delegates the powers that the Constitution doesn't give to the federal government, to the states or the people thereof. Mm-hmm. Do you, and they ought to read the Ninth Amendment, which right. basically says... If it's not something that the feds do or the states do, the, the, all that power belongs to the people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you think the feds have the right then to give money to the states, even though the states can use it how they wanted to use it? I mean, their role, should they have been cut out of that equation federally? I would imagine they should be, because didn't that just create more government? Well, they were already giving mm-hmm. money to states and, and local agencies, mm-hmm. but but in little bits and pieces with 30 different programs. So mm-hmm. the block grant did away with 30 programs, tons of bureaucracy, mm-hmm. lots of paperwork. Uh, but to answer your question philosophically, yeah. no. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's ridiculous to uh, tax people locally, teleport the money to Washington, mm-hmm. spend a whole bunch of money on administration, right, and then give a portion of it back to the state, right? Yeah, you know that's that's just insanity. Mm, I agree, <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah. I mean, we're watching education. I mean, just burn in flames right now. I cannot believe what's going on and. Uh, um, there have been even stories today that have amazed me on the direction that we're heading in. What do you see happening next in education? What do you see? Well, five-year plan. You, you're probably familiar with the phrase in television that mm-hmm. uh, a show has jumped the shark. Yes, the yes, days, absolutely. Like, I say I that all the time. <laughs> education in America has jumped the shark here yeah. during the pandemic. Yeah, because the this back and forth, the schools are open, the schools are closed, we're mm-hmm. online, we're not online, we're hybrid, you have to wear a mask, you have to get a shot, this, that, and the other thing. It's driving parents nuts. Uh, here's an interesting statistic, and, and I haven't seen a more recent one, but last year in 2020, during the early days of COVID, mm-hmm. uh, the, the percent of students nationwide who were homeschooled went from about 3% nationwide to 16% That's a by lot. the fall of 2020. That's a huge jump. Wow. And Big jump. you know what the biggest growth was? What? African-American families. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's great. Huh. Wow. One of the secrets that the progressives do not want people to know about Mm -hmm. is some of the strongest supporters for school choice are African American Mm. because they've been the victims of these poorly operated uh, public schools. Right, right. As, uh, uh, yeah, I can, uh, well, that's that's interesting. I mean, uh, Uncle Milty? I'm an optimist. I think there's. It'll be a greater movement for homeschooling, for charter mm-hmm. schools, for, uh, you know, lessening the power of teacher unions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, sure. you, you can go right on down the list. Okay. Are, Uncle Milty? Are you familiar with uh, Dr. Diane Davis and her movement to go back to the one-room schools using churches? No, I'm not, but it sounds like a fantastic idea. <laughs> yes, it, it does, does, doesn't it? Yeah, it really <laughs> does. In a lot of parts of the country. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are finally understanding what's going on. You know, we've been talking about Common yeah. Core since I've been on the air, and uh, it's been amazing to see parents finally wake up. Finally, finally wake up and say, I don't want any more of this. It's, it's really well, I think government I think schools. a lot of uh, homes in the past year, year mm-hmm. and a half, You've had the uh, the family equivalent of the one room school mm-hmm. because the older children have yeah. within that closed in setting are probably teaching a lot of the things they've learned to the younger yes. kids. Yeah, I agree with you on that, and I really do wish we would stop calling it public school and start calling it government school because I think that's really what it's spiraled into. If we would address Amen. it right, yeah. Amen. Well, uh, uh, here's another statistic. Mm-hmm. So everybody's heard of Thomas Paine's famous pamphlet, Common Sense. Sure. Okay, that was the rallying cry for the American Revolution mm-hmm. back in 1776. Right. Well, uh, you know how many copies of Common Sense were printed? How many? Three million. Hmm. Wow. Do you know what the population was in the American colonies? 
1776. Wasn't it two? Three. I thought it, it was yeah. three. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was, for some so reason, I think it two million. Were, now, some of those copies were, you know, sent mm-hmm. to Europe or various other places. But basically, we had, that tells us we had nearly universal literacy Jeez. back in the days before public schools were even thought of. Yep. Yeah. 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 They did a, yeah, they did a fair job, didn't they? <laughs> and then what, what did we do? We're dumbing the kids down considerably. Now, in, in higher education, I mm-hmm. think there are great opportunities to get the government largely out of, out of that business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the biggest problem we have today in higher education at the federal level mm-hmm. is this whole student loan program. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Uh, We're going to talk to you about that when we come back, uh, Dr. Kipling. Uh, uh, Kimberling, I'm sorry. And uh, we'll be right back. Dr. Ronald Kimberling is with me. Don't go anywhere. You, want, you don't want to miss this uh, conversation. Be right back. Hi, this is Kate, and I just wanted to let you know about a new product that I fell in love with, and I want you to have it too, and you can get a special deal on it right now. It's a wonderful sanitizer that really cleans, hospital-grade, they use electricity to do it, and it's really natural, and it's not sticky, This it doesn't have alcohol in it, it's just an amazing new product, and it's concentrated, so you actually get tons of bottles of it for a really low price and it stores well for prepping. So I would highly recommend this and get it while you can. Um, Instead of $250, you can grab it for 44 bucks. This is at the bottom of my homepage. You can find the the little ad on the, on the bottom of my homepage, katedallyradio.com. Click on it. You'll love this product. We need a new kind of clean to do that. Clean Start combines two of nature's most powerful forces, water and electricity, to produce electrolyzed water, or HOCL. HOCL is your body's first internal response after an infection or trauma. In fact, it's significantly more effective at killing bacteria, viruses, mold, and mildew than bleach or other household cleaners. Clean Start's globally patented tablet-based hand sanitizer turns any quart of tap water into FDA-approved alcohol-free hand sanitizer and registered wound care solution to a new kind of clean. Clean Start. This is the King Daly Show. Snow is glistening, a beautiful sight. We're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. Welcome back, King Daly Show. Live today, uh, site's back up. Yes, we were hacked, but uh, it's back up, and uh, you can go and, and visit all the sponsors and show notes, and I have a list of things that you need to be aware of today. It's already listed there on show notes. Um, also, make sure you get over to Balance of Nature. What a wonderful sponsor they have been, and what an amazing product they put out. Uh, the phytonutrients of 31 fruits and vegetables uh, given to you daily, and it's a whole food product. There's no chemicals in it. There is uh, no additives. It is an amazing pure product. And when I say pure, I mean pure because there just aren't that many pure products out there anymore. Balance of Nature is amazing. You must try it. You'll feel differently. About a week and a half, two weeks, you'll start to really feel the difference. Highly encourage you to get this product because when we talk in the next hour about a little bit more about um, um, our immune system, just a little bit, some things we want to talk about, oh my gosh, we really, really need to shore that up right now. So please, by all means, get over to Balance of Nature, save 35% free shipping 
shipping, put in the code Kate. It's always Kate, uh, the code word, and uh, get those savings and get that product shipped to you immediately. I want you to feel better and be able to do this uh, work we have ahead of us because we have a lot to do on our to-do list to to try to get this uh, turned around and get our liberty back. In fact, over the course of these decades, we sure uh, have lost a lot of liberty with nothing really being restored. And that is a lot of loss over over uh, 10 decades. My, my guest in this hour is Dr. Ronald Kimberling and the author of Libertarianism. I'm so sorry. I'm the worst. Oh, my gosh. Um, and you can get this book. This book is a wonderful book um, and essays uh, regarding um, uh, John. Uh, what, what is his last name again? Ho- um, Hospers. Right. Hospers? Yes. Okay. John Hospers, uh, incredible life's work in being the first candidate for the Libertarian Party and truly bringing these ideas um, uh, ideas to the public. And also you can get this book at J Books, Inc. So it's J Books with an S, I-N-C dot com. And uh, welcome back to the program. Really appreciate you. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about education if you have anything else you'd like to say on that. And then we can talk about elections and what, what do we do with with this country? Well, uh, let me just mention, I'm looking at John Hosper's photo on the cover of the book, and mm-hmm. it's a reproduction of his campaign poster. And at the top of the poster, it says, mm-hmm. Break Free from Big Brother. Yeah, But right. just as a footnote to history, um, John Hospers actually won one electoral vote because there was a delegate, uh, an elector from Virginia, who was supposed to vote for Nixon. He didn't like the things Nixon was starting to do, especially with the economy. Right. He voted for Hospers instead. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. And Hospers' running mate, Tony Nathan, mm-hmm. who uh, was from the state of Washington, was the first woman wow. and the first Jew mm-hmm. to ever get an electoral vote. Interesting. Way before all yeah. these other folks. Hmm. So when people think of this oh, movement, that. <laughs> right, exactly. They, they always think of Ayn Rand. Right. And uh, and so uh, I right. talk about uh, her and uh, Hospers and maybe. Well, actually, Hospers, uh, who was born in 1918, mm-hmm. was part of Ayn Rand's circle in uh, in the northeast of mm-hmm. New York City um, in the early 50s. Right. And then he later moved to the West Coast for university positions and so on. Um, they respectfully disagreed on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hospers was not an atheist, for mm-hmm. one thing. Sure, <laughs> which sure. Ayn Rand was. Right. Um, but he thought that Ayn Rand was very sort of absolutist in a lot of her a lot of her thoughts. She did not like the term libertarianism, by the way. Interesting. But her protege, the psychologist uh, Nathaniel Brandon, did. And in fact, Nathaniel Brandon wrote the back cover uh, blurb for Hosper's book on libertarianism. Hmm. They were good friends. I remember when I was young, I used to go to uh, Brandon's uh, little meetings of you know, young, mm-hmm. young and older libertarianism uh, or libertarian people uh, in Hollywood. Hmm. And he was a great guy. He wrote The Psychology of Self-Esteem. Interesting. Um, and it wasn't the self-esteem that the public schools right. <laughs> talk right. about. Sure. Molly Coddle kids. But mm-hmm. it, it was genuinely 
understanding yourself and uh, respecting others through uh, respecting the uniqueness that you have. Ah, I like that. Hmm. Anyway, sorry yeah. to get off on it. No, I love that. That's a school. Yeah, I wanted to know, actually. So, here's a question. Mm-hmm. There are three principles that we all remember we learned in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they are basically, if you believe in those three principles, you're halfway to being a libertarian. Okay. The first one is don't hit other people. Mm-hmm. Amen. Don't take somebody else's toys. Mm-hmm. Sure. And don't lie. There you go. Easy, right? <laughs> Shouldn't this be easy? Oh, yeah. my gosh. Now, do the public schools still, t- still teach that in kindergarten? No, no. probably not. <laughs> probably not. They're, I'm going to guess they don't. They're too busy teaching them about their sexuality to do that. <laughs> Oh, so true. Please, I know. Please. I yeah, know. it's the truth. But you're right, though. I mean, this is, uh, it, and I, and I, I actually agree with Hospers on the atheism angle too. You'll see a lot of people in that movement that are atheists. I'm not, and uh, and I do, I do think that there are many, many ideas that I gravitate towards in that in that movement in that party. And so are you we going to see a whole bunch of people start leaving after, you know, what they've witnessed that nobody's really doing anything for liberty uh from the two parties that we have uh in the in the White House right now? Categorize that well, way. Well, they already anyway. have one third of the American people identify as independent. Hmm. And that's because they find something to disagree with with both parties. Sure. Yep. Sure. You know, and my thought that. is that libertarianism used to be, well, let's go back to Reagan, up and down instead of left and right. Right. Okay? Up means more freedom. Down means more control by by the state. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of independents are going to become a very crucial uh, political middle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would never have considered myself a middle-of-the-road person, but I think the middle today means that you reject the statist concepts that both the Democrats have mm-hmm. and that, unfortunately, some of the Republicans have yeah. Yeah. Uh, from yeah. time to time. Right. Well, it's it's the it's on both sides of the aisle because there's a lot of things that are accepted with big government when we Republicans do it. And then um, we know the direction of a lot of these anti-Americans in the left, true leftist parties. Uh, that is just shocking. And so, you know, what, what do we what, what do we do? Could, do you think it can be saved in Washington, this country? No, I think it can be saved outside of Washington. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. Um, I, I think it's too swampy. Now, there are a couple of statistics that people would would find interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the Libertarian Party presidential candidate in 2016 got four and a half million votes. Hmm. That's not peanuts. Yeah, you're right. That was more than the difference between Trump and, and uh, Clinton. Yep. That's interesting. Hmm. And there are currently, right today, more than 300 elected liber- official libertarian office holders, hmm. mostly at the state and local level. Mm-hmm. But there are state legislators. Uh, there was one congressman, Justin Amash, who uh, mm-hmm. decided not to run for reelection, but he switched parties and became a libertarian his last year in office. So right. 
there, there's a little bit of uh, traction there. I, I, I don't know which way it's going to go. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at the 1840s and 50s, the Whig Party broke up over the issue of slavery because there were mostly anti-slavery Whigs, some pro-slavery. The anti-slavery Whigs met up in Wisconsin, in, in Ripon, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and created what became the Republican Party in right. 1852. Mm-hmm. And within two elections, they, their candidate, Abraham Lincoln, became president. Hmm. So I think well, it's possible that there will be a a third party created that has a lot of libertarian ideas to it, mm-hmm. but it's it's siphoned off from Republicans and Democrats. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Well, um, you know, here's hoping when when we had all the power and uh, Trump was president, we had the Senate, we had the House, and we did nothing. We did nothing to restore anything. And I thought at that time, if that wasn't enough proof that we we need uh, we need to do something drastically different in this country, because look where we're look where we are right now. We're looking at even forced vaccinations. Can you imagine that we're that we're here? The loss of body autonomy. I it's hard to believe that we're here. Yeah. Yeah. So how are we going to um, can you come back from that? I don't know. Um, well, don't know. we've come back from some worse things. You know, okay. historically, mm-hmm. we came back from the Great Depression. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't Franklin Roosevelt who did it. But right. <laughs> yeah. uh, the economy was worse in 1937 after he'd been in office for four years right. than it was uh, in 1929 and 30 at the start of the Depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And would have gradually um, come back just fine. But it was sure a good reason to install um, huge amounts of uh, socialism and have it be liked, you know, by the people. Uncle Milty. Well, yeah, we hear it every day, though. Like when they start talking about inflation, mm-hmm. what they always say is, "Well, it's the worst it's been since, right. you know, thirty right, years right. ago or twenty-two right. years." So we've been oh, there oh, before. Uncle Milty. Yeah. So what's the statistic we heard this week? Six point eight percent. Yeah. Okay. It was the worst in. Uh, it was closer to forty years. Right. The year they cite is 1982, where mm-hmm. it was a little bit over 6.8%. Why do they cite that? Who was president? Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. Right. What was the inflation rate in 1979 under Jimmy Carter the year before Reagan got elected that caused the Americans to really revolt? Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. 13.2. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, we just don't have a very good memory, do we? We look to the media to teach us, and uh, boy, they've done a hell of a job. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. the media hasn't been taught either. Yeah, you know? right. I, I taught journalism for about eight years mm-hmm. uh, at Cal State Northridge, mm-hmm. uh, and they have a great journalism school. But here's what started to happen around the nation. Back in the before the early 70s, in order to be a journalism major, you had to have an academic minor. Could mm-hmm. be history, could be science, you know, whatever. Um, you had to know something about something because journalism was more of a trade craft, you uh-huh. know, major. Sure. In the seventies, they did away with the minor requirement. Hmm. So all you had to know was the art of journalism, 
but you didn't have to really know your history or your science Ooh, or whatever. Boy, that hurt us. You specialized in. Right. That's interesting. That hurt us a lot. Absolutely. Because they've injected more yeah. and more opinion, and with that opinion comes their ignorance. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's also part of this, uh, you know, kind of deconstructivist, uh, mm-hmm. you know, philosophy that's permeated a lot of higher education. Right. Um, you know, and it, it's an import from, you know, uh, communist or close to communist philosophers mm-hmm. right. in Europe, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it, it creates situation ethics. Mm-hmm. You know, everything everything is everything. Everything is nothing. Right. Right. No, it's, and, yeah, uh, you're right. You know, and believe whatever you funny. want. I think if you ha- if you stand with a principle, let's start with don't hit other people. Okay. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. for the far left in particular, right. uh, you know, if, if the, the end justifies the means. Right, right. So if I could achieve all of my ideals mm-hmm. for the all-powerful state, right. Go ahead and hit somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what inflation's doing. Yep. It's hitting everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know we're, uh, the, the bell's going to ring in just a moment here. Um, but uh, the book, um, Liber, uh, Libertarianism, and uh, the subtitle, John Hosper's The Libertarians Party 50th Anniversary and Beyond, Stan Oliver, and of course, uh, uh, C. Ronald Kimberling. I really appreciate you coming on the program. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, Thanks for having me as your guest. Absolutely. Go to J Books Inc. Um, J Books with an S I N C dot com uh, for that book. You can get on Amazon too, but you can go right to jbooksinc.com. Thanks a lot, uh, Dr. Kimberling. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We have a lot in this next hour to go over with you. All kinds of stuff. Stay with us. <laughs> 